closing chapter of Job is kind of like any Disney movie. And they all lived happily ever after, right? We, we enjoy that. In fact, a, a study was done, and I apologize for not having the text to support it, but, but 40% of us prefer that compared to the 2% that prefer not to have the happy endings. People want this happy ending. I mean, this is my life. Snow White marries Prince Charming. Fiona marries Shrek. Nemo gets found. Can you see what I watch in my household? But it goes on. What about any 23-minute American sitcom? The dilemma is set up in the fourth minute. It is gratifyingly resolved at the 19th minute. And that allows for a satisfying just closing to an ending. So the 23rd minute, you're in a good mood, ready to buy whatever the next commercial presents itself. We pay money to see the happily ever afters at the movies. If we see a sad film that leaves you depressed and sad all day, you begin to wonder, is this something I really want to watch? People find it hard to tolerate the sadness. I think our our teenagers at times, I was into that as a child where I was okay with the, the emotion and the draw. My mom would call me emo at times. We come to this unsatisfying Happy ending in Job. Something in us wants the book of Job to to end up happy. We want to come to this resolution. But when we get the satisfying resolution, there's still some things to me that I find quite unsatisfying. Don't you find that there's a little bit too neat of a bow that is wrapped up in the ending of this book? In chapter 42, the the verses, I guess, 12 through the end, Job becomes twice as rich as he was before. He has twice as many sheep and camels and ox and donkeys. And Job lives after he suffered twice the normal lifespan, 70 years times two. He's 140 If Job was the richest man before he suffered, now he's twice as rich, twice as blessed. He's been given two lifespans to replace the life that was taken from him. All of Job's children are beautiful, healthy, and rich. And he dies a happy and content man and It's just fairy tale to me. What about all of Job's complaints earlier in the book? Do we need to conveniently just forget about them? Job kept saying how the righteous suffered and the evil got away with it. We didn't necessarily preach on this, but found in Job chapter 9, beginning in verse 22, it says this. It is all the same. That is why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a scourge brings sudden death, he mocks the despair of the innocent. When a land falls into the hands of the wicked, he blindfolds its judges. If it is not he, then who is it? Was that wrong? When Job said it, 
Because now the book of Job is is finished with a, a righteous living longer than anyone else. And prospering more than everyone else. And even more troubling to me, if we read closely, it kind of looks like all of his friends were right after all. You remember in the story, his friends kept telling Job to repent. If Job repents, he will be restored to his former prosperity. Yes, there were seven days where they said nothing, and that was good. But then in the end, they started saying, Job, you got to get out of this. It's your fault. Repent. Say you're sorry, and everything will be given back to you. Eliphaz said, submit to God and be at peace with him. And this way, prosperity will come to you. Elihu said the same thing. But if men are bound in chains, held fast by cords of affliction, he tells them what they have done, that they have sinned arrogantly. He makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. So now what do we see at the end in chapter 42? Job does repent. In verse 6 it says, Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And lo and behold, Job gets all of his stuff back. In fact, he gets twice as much. So were his friends right? All Job had to do was repent and his stuff would return to him? It sure seems that way. But the friends are always wrong. Job is right to oppose them. And let's see why. There's something in Job's repentance. What does Job repent of? The first thing we must say is that Job doesn't repent of any sin he committed that caused his suffering. There's nothing that he did that caused this life before him, the pain and the heartache. His suffering was not caused by him being worse than everyone else. In fact, if we look... At the description of Job at the beginning, we see that he was better than others. He was and he remained a blameless and upright, a man who feared God and shunned evil. But second, Job did say some ignorant things about God. In the height of his suffering, he said things that now he regrets. You ever been there? God rebuked Job for condemning God and justifying himself. Job made himself the judge of God, the creator. But God said that Job should have instead sought salvation. The fact is, Job did not know why he was suffering, and he still doesn't know why. We Only know because of the story. Job never found out why he suffered. At his worst, Job's only answer to his suffering was that God 
was unjust. God had wronged him. And this is what Job repented of. Job was speaking from his pain about the things he didn't understand. And he confesses his folly. Verse 3, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. And at his best, at chapter 28, Job had already realized that he didn't understand. We don't understand. Because God has not spoken to him. Job knew it impossible for him to understand why he was suffering. But that it was okay for Job. In chapter 28, Job didn't need to know why because he knew God. And when you know God, you don't need to know everything that God knows. You don't need to know what God knows if you can cry out to God and know who God is. When Job remembered that God knew everything, Job was content to fear God and shun evil. And so once again in chapter 42... Job is brought to this clear-headed, elevated knowledge of God that he had had earlier in experience. And this time it comes from a direct, personal experience of God in the storm. Job chapter 42 verse 5 says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job, of course, did not see the form of God because no one can see God and live. But but Job did see God's power through the effects. The awesome impression Job must have had as he witnessed in this whirlwind. And Job did hear God's word directly. And God's clear revelation of himself means that Job no longer seeks answers. He's satisfied once again With just knowing God. And he repents of earlier. And he seeks more. What does this mean for us? How do you find yourself in this story? I think we are grateful that this is the end. There's no more Job after this week. We can move beyond the suffering and we say God has spoken, right? But we know that we've been there, we are there, or we will be there. We will endure suffering and heartache and pain. And we know that God is there. We can cry out to God, and God is there for us. There is hope in healing. There is hope in restoration. The question then comes, where are we? Where are we in this time? Do we find ourselves proclaiming the words that the Job experienced? Do we blame ourselves? Do we blame God? God is faithful even in this. And when we cry out to God, we can experience God's blessing. We may not experience the double blessing in this life. But I guarantee you there is more than a double blessing in the life to come. We cry out to God. 
But did you hear of other passages in which we read the second part of our, our lesson this morning? Job prayed for his friends. His friends were not the nicest people, right? Job, what have you done? Just say you're sorry. Goodness. But in the story, Job had to pray for them, for them to experience the healing. And the Lord restored the fortune and then gives him twice as much. He restores his friends. And now we finally hear of his family, his brothers and sisters, and everyone who had known him before came and ate in his house. Now they are comforting him consoling him over all the trouble that he had experienced. That's what he prays for them. We find ourselves in hard times and it's hard to pray for other people, right? When we are broken and hurting and in pain, it's hard to pray for others because it's about me. I'm dealing with this. I'm hurting. Why should I pray for others? Let's go for a moment just to the cross of Christ. And the words of our Lord and Savior for the cross. The person that we follow and we live our life after. The the name that we proclaim as Christian, our Lord and Savior, is praying for others. He sees his mother and lifts her up. He prays for his friends. He prays for the ones beside him. He prays for those who are condemning him in the most intense pain and suffering someone can experience. God prays for others. Yet we find ourselves saying, no, this is me, what I'm dealing with. You're aware, I believe you're aware that Jonathan had brain surgery. Quickly following brain surgery, he had gallbladder surgery. Within two days, within the same day of gallbladder surgery, we found out he had blood clots, right? So I'm in my own little pity party, right? Pray for me, he's the one that's just sick and here and... And I'm sitting there enduring this thinking I'm going to be a widow at 28. I'm going to lose my husband right here. My daughter Addie will never get to experience her father and enjoy life. And woe is me. Everything is taken from me. And I'm in a hospital room with my mother-in-law. Huh. I'm praying right now she's not listening by radio. (laughs) I love you, Carol. There we go. But I was dealing with all this emotion. And in the midst of all of that, we had a friend at the same time that was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And his was actual cancer. He had a daughter that was two days older than Addie. And he's in Columbus, and we're in Savannah. And I find myself in the midst of all this. Jonathan's getting treatment. I'm still throwing myself a pity party. I'm still wanting him to be better, knowing the doctors told him not to move. 
But I find myself able to come out of that darkness because now I'm praying that God would offer healing in this man's life. Where are we? There are people around us right now this day that are hurting. We're having a service of remembrance of Miss Nancy. We know that Mr. John passed away earlier this week. We have some that are coming back from Haiti, dealing with the emotions of leaving people in dire need. We have people that will lose their homes due to mudslides and pain and suffering because of the most intense hurricane to hit land. And where are we? In this story, we hear of his brothers and sisters and finally everyone who had ever known him coming and praying for Job and Job praying for them. The Lord blessed his life so much, I believe because he came together as one another. Where are you when bad things happen? Where are you when people are hurting and suffering Where are you? Is it easier to just say, I'm praying for you and keep them at a distance? Or is it easier to get into their life, to bring them food, to provide a shoulder to cry on and say, I don't know why. I know God and I'm here for you. We don't have the words. It's okay to sit in silence. It's okay to not have the answers, but glory to God. Give him the praise. We don't know, but God is faithful. God will show himself in this time and place. And we can give him the glory. Even in the suffering, it's hard to do. But we can lift our voice to God and proclaim of his goodness. Where are you? There was a time in my life where I felt as though I was just lost, just wandering. I had had an amazing job, but I had to kind of give that up. School and stress and work and everything was just laying heavy on me. You ever been there making a, a difficult decision, not really knowing if this is right? And you just felt like every door was closing. God, this is what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And you just see doors shutting. There were people in my life that were able to see beyond the current situation I was in. And they kept pushing me and encouraging me. Friends that say, Stephanie, don't give up. Keep allowing God to use you. I thought because this one door of ministry had closed, that that meant forever the doors of ministry would be closed to me. That God didn't need me. That's a hard thing to hear. But praise be to God, other people saw something and kept saying, you can do this. Do you hear these words from others? You can do this. You can endure the 
brokenness you're in right now. You can move beyond this hurt. Whatever diagnosis you find yourself living with right now, know that God is there. God knows you and he cares more about you than you can care about yourself. He knows your family. He knows the ups and downs. God is there. God is listening. Cry out to God. And move beyond the bad things. And hear that God knows. Job spoke this. He said, you asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I didn't understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, Job speaking, listen now and I will speak. I will answer you and you shall answer me. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. When we are in the heartache, when we are in the depths of despair, look and listen to those around you that they could lift you and bring you up to a place where you can see the work of God. I would not be where I was if it was not for ministry of Pittman Park. I was a youth minister to hear early in my days. You were fundamental in keeping to push me into ministry. You were faithful in allowing me to see that I can serve God as female in ministry. Even today when I find things tough and difficult, having two girls making sure they're dressed appropriately and not running amok around the church, you were faithful And allowing me to take a deep breath and see that God is at work. That I can reach out and help hold your hand in difficult times. I want to be there for you. Bill wants to be there for you. We can cry out each other's names because we want to be there for each other. And I pray that as a church, Pittman Park would have that name, that qualification, that we are there for each other. When times are hard, I can rely on my church family. When times are joyful, I can call on my church family. I want to know that you are there for me when I hurt. I want to know that I can be there for you in grief and sorrow, in illness. It's kind of like the wedding vows, right? In sickness and in health. In joy or in pain. We are the body of Christ. God is calling us to this place to hear from him and then to go into the world and be that body. To be the hands and feet of Christ. And sometimes that means that we are the shoulder to cry on. We are the meal preparers in times of of loss and, and confusion. We are ears to hear the troubles of life. So I ask you, are we like Job's friends in earlier chapters? 
Get over yourself, Job. Just say you're sorry. Everything will be better then. Or are we like Job's friends and family? And are we like Job who was praying for his friends? Are we there to offer comfort and counsel? And to experience the love of God. To experience his blessing as we come together. Where are you? Where are you when bad things happen? And what can you do today that will make tomorrow better for someone else? How can you share God's love and move toward his glory? May we think about these things and may we live the life that God has called us to as the united body of Christ. Will you join with me now as we pray? God, we do not have the answers. We do not know how to say why this is happening. But we know you. We know as the people of God, we Submit our hearts and our lives to you, seeking your blessing and your direction. We can ask God, but but we speak of things we do not understand, things too wonderful for us to know. But may we listen now as you speak, as you answer. Our ears have heard, but may our eyes see. May our eyes see the body of Christ at work all around us. May our eyes see us standing firm in our faith and reaching out that hand of love to those in need. And Lord, in our time of suffering, may we pray for our friends. And may we pray to you that you would restore us. That you would allow us to see our family and friends coming to us, comforting and consoling, and that we too can be that family and friends, knowing that you are offering your blessing even in the depths of trial and tribulation. God, continue to pour yourself out on us. Let us continue to wrestle with this thought of where are we? When the world around us seems to be hurting. Light our path. Give wisdom to our voice. And direction to our service. As we seek to serve you. And the people around us. That they would come to know you and your love. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.